as we continue in our Heaven series. The, uh, I've spending a lot of time trying to get you to look at, I, I think, probably a way of looking at Scripture that we normally don't. We, we tend to look at it for our lives now, which is obviously a very big part of it. But we also have a lot of information about eternity, and most of the information about heaven is essentially about what we would call the final heaven, the new heaven and the new earth. Um, we have, uh, we just sang about that, you know, and, and then one day I'll cross that river. You know, what's that talking about? It's interesting because the two vocations I've had um, in my life up to this point, uh, I'm still thinking, you know, professional baseball players, probably still future, but uh, probably in the new heaven and the new earth, and I'll probably still be an amateur. But, but, the, but the idea, both of my vocations had to do with death in some way. You know, certainly this one, you, 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 it's a positive view of death in a sense that it's not the final word, it's the last enemy to be destroyed. But my original vocation is a, as an actuary, that's what you did, you know. I, people would say, well, you just figure out when people are going to die. And I'm like, yeah, what's your problem, you know? It's inevitable, you know, it's, it's the thing. And this chart, um, I think I might change the first line, but it, it, I, I tried to make this, and there's, there's a few out there if you want, and I'm starting to think that we're going to have to raise the prices of these. Um, because, you know, they're free, so nobody wants them. I think if I charge a dollar a piece, I'll sell more. You know, so we'll see. But at the top, it says, when we die. I think I'm going to change it to when you die. Because, you know, it's kind of like when Jesus asked uh, the disciples in, up in Caesarea Philippi, you know, who do people say that I am? And they're like, oh, well, you're, you're one of the prophets. You're this guy, that guy, you know. And then he looks at him, well, who do you say that? I am? Well, that's a little more personal. And so maybe I'll change this to when you die because everybody wants to know that. They might say they don't, but then they're just, they're just lying. Everybody kind of wants to know that. And that's what this series is about is the idea of what happens when we die. And, it, and it's really, you know, kind of going back to revival, this is the answers to the question, you know, and that's what this chart helps us do. It's just a chart. I mean, you don't have to pick one up, and it doesn't cost a dollar. But, uh, but really, that, that do you believe in Jesus? You know, Jesus is the one that came and said, this is the main thing. You know, we had a saying in Fellowship of Christian Athletes that I always liked. The main thing is to make sure you keep the main thing the main thing. Now, that's deep, but it's good. Um, if, if What is that? Well, where are you with Christ? And that's the whole idea. So we're, we're talking about this. It's, it's very good to know as a follower of Christ where you're going to be. It's very good to know what that's going to be like and, and why do we think it's important because the scriptures keep talking about it. But the main thing is to know that you are going to be in the current heaven when you die, when you cross that river. We sing about that a lot. Um, and it's not hard. That's the thing that's so good about it. How do I know that I'm saved? Well, kind of like that revival stuff, right? Do you feel guilty when you sin? Do you want to honor Christ? Do you, are you hunger for his word? And it's like, and, and I know this doesn't happen to you guys, but some people, if you don't feel that, you know 
well enough that you should pray that you would. <laughs> it's kind of like the man that says, I believe, help my unbelief. So it's, it's not that hard. And again, what's your purpose? Your purpose is to know God for the rest of your existence. And if you don't know Jesus, he says that you'll live a life of eternity away from him and you won't know him. And your purpose has been thwarted. So as we look at this, we're looking at what can we expect? Remember, keep the main thing there. Um, it's kind of like going on a wonderful cruise and looking into all the things that you're going to get to experience. You know, the food, the games, the different places at port and all this kind of stuff. But it doesn't make any difference if you don't go on the cruise. So I want to make sure you, you get on the cruise. <laughs> and then the rest we can talk, and that's kind of what we're doing today. And one of the questions, and these are essentially sermons that answer questions that people have. And one of, will, will we be ourselves? Will we have continuity of self? Because there are religions out there that speak of that you just kind of go into a oneness and you kind of lose your individuality and all that. Um, not so Christianity. In Job, way back, probably the oldest book in the Bible, and after my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God. You know, we kind of miss that. Job's got a lot of gems in it if we just read it. Um, and then Jesus, after he's resurrected, see my, I love the last part of this verse, see my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. I, it's just kind of, it's like, it's me. It's, it's Jesus. You know, <laughs> I, I, It's not some guy that has Jesus consciousness or some other oneness dude. This is Jesus, you know. And then in the parable of rich man and Lazarus, you know, Abraham says to the rich man, son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything that you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. It's a great, there's your assignment. Yeah, I know you knew what, I knew you wanted one. Luke 16, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus is very good heaven, and this is current heaven here. We're talking about final heaven for the most part, uh, the new heaven and the new earth. But, but it gives it, it's a parable, but it gives us some good views of what Jesus thinks that at least somewhat heaven will be like. But notice, they change, it's still the rich man, it's still Lazarus, it's not somebody else. I think this gets into our the water because of other religions and we don't understand ours. And even Jesus, when he talks about the future, he says, I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Sit down with who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not somebody who looks like Abraham but's not, or has the name Abraham but isn't. No, it, it's continuity of self. There's nowhere in the Bible where it teaches that you lose who you are. And remember, you probably, if you, it's, it's interesting. I remember my folks would always... Uh, they always knew where they were and what they were doing when JFK got shot. For my generation, it's a different date, and that was in 2001. I remember where I was and what I was doing when those twin towers, when the planes went in there. But have you ever thought about that? I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's just under 3,000 people died in that tower. And some of them were essentially disintegrated. 
And I remember those questions. I was in Keokuk at the time, and I remember those questions people would have, you know, because, and, and then they're good questions, you know. How, how is that going to happen? How is, my, how is those lo- that loved one going to continue? Because their body's gone. And, oh, and, the, and, the, and the answer we have to give is that, well, God still knows their body. You know, you, you think about it, everybody is essentially disintegrated over time. Their body that's left in the ground, right? I mean, it just takes time. That was quicker. But does God still know them? Do they still exist? Well, certainly. You know, and, and I th- you, you, the transfiguration shows us this continuity. Jesus, if you remember that, it's on in the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Who appears with Jesus? Moses and Elijah. Not some dude we can't recognize and some other dude we don't recognize. These are real people. And so it just continues. There's nothing in there. So I know I'm hitting this hard, but this is big for people. Am I going to be myself? And even more, that loved one who died, am I going to see them? That's bigger too, isn't it? Or are they just going to be, oh, here's this person you don't know, but they're nice. No, I, I think we'll, we'll see the actual person. You know, God creates us for that. We, if God truly created you to know him, how the heck is that going to happen if you don't continue on? your consciousness. In C.S. Lewis, a lot of, we're going to have actually two, not super lengthy, but paragraph quotes from him, one from Mere Christianity later, and then this is in the problem of pain. Um, another, I won't make that an assignment, I guess. Won't put too much on you, the weather's getting nicer. Um, the, uh, the problem of pain is a really good book about suffering, uh, about why it's what I would call the intellectual, why it's because people ask that. It's the number one question of why God? Why does God allow this? Now, I can get my mind around why God calls other people to suffer. <laughs> it's my suffering that's harder, right? Um, but the problem of pain is kind of the intellectual way of doing this. A little bit later, God, or God, yeah, he's not that important. C.S. Lewis writes a book called A Grief Observed. If, if you know his life, he ended up uh, marrying someone very late in life, and very quickly she got cancer, and they didn't, she didn't live very long. Her name is Joy, and then she dies, and he'd written this problem of pain, and it was you know, really good and about, you know, how suffering. Well, grief observed, if you want to read something, read that one too. And then now he's tackling the emotional side of it. It's really, really a good read for, for anybody that, but in the problem of pain, he kind of talks about this, uh, um, talking about our individuality, because we think about that. Are we going to be ourselves? Or are we going to all look the same? All this kind of stuff. Here's what he writes. If, if he had, if God had no use for all these differences, I do not see why he should have created more souls than one. Your soul has a curious shape because it is a hollow made to fit a particular swelling in the infinite contours of the divine substance or a key to unlock one of the doors in a house with many rooms. For it is not humanity in the abstract that is, that is to be saved, but you, 
the individual person, John Stubbs or Janet Smith, your place in heaven will seem to be made for you and you alone because you were made for it. Made for it stitch by stitch as a glove is made for a hand. I thought that was well put. You know, we get that John 14, you know, in my father's house are many rooms. And we kind of just think it's like, well, I wonder if I'll get a suite. You know, will I have a jacuzzi? You know, it's a metaphor. In my father's kingdom, there are many places is what he's talking about. But there'll be a place there for you with what you like. And it won't be for anybody else. It may be other people you want to be with. And I think that's what he's getting at. It's, it, I mean, we're told that God knows the number of hairs on our head. He doesn't even a spare fall. He knows everything about us. He knows you better than you know. Don't you think he could come up with a place for you that would fit fairly well? That's pretty cool. I mean, he's the ultimate realtor. That's pretty good. Somebody should be writing this stuff down. Um, anyway, <laughs> the, and then another one, we get this question all the time, and I know there's movies and, and Mormonism and all this kind of, we will not become angels. I don't, I think it's fine, you know, when we use those metaphors, you know, uh, we had that in Valentine's Day, and what was that, uh, who was the run, who was the guy who sung Earth Angel? I mean, anybody remember? Jimmy Valen, one of those guys, I'm not going to sing it, um, <laughs> I can if you want. You know, it'll be a dollar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but, you know, earth angel, I mean, that's okay as a metaphor. Or I've seen it, you know, in, in more of a, a, you know, of a subdued way. And, some, well, you know, somebody say, well, when somebody dies, it's a Christian. You know, God has gained another angel. And, and that's fine in that way. But, but this is the best way I can put it. <laughs> angels are angels and humans are humans. I didn't put it up there, but I guess, you know, dogs are dogs, cats are cats, ducks are ducks. You know, they're not, the, they're not, they're all useful, but they're not the same. We don't become that. And we see this in, in, in the Bible quite often in Hebrews. It, it tells us, if you want to turn there, that's where we are. We'll look just for a little bit. Hebrews 1 and 2 have a lot about angels and stuff that we can grab onto. Hebrews is a book um, that, if you didn't know, was written to uh, Hebrews, which are Jewish folk, um, Jewish Christians, um, people in the first century. But down in verse 14 of chapter 1, he kind of hits this. Are not they, angels, all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? There's a difference. Their salvation, we're not quite sure how that worked. There's a little bit of information in the Old Testament and a little bit in the New, but the holy angels and the fallen angels, that's been done. There's no more. It, it's over. The, the, you're talking about the holy angels. If you go down to verse 5, chapter 2, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It's, it's people. And there's a very much difference here. And, and this is in here uh, and then 16 toward the end. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. You know, it's the, there's a difference between these two. So um, I'm not sure if a bell rings, if an angel gets his wings. That's certainly possible. Um, it really is fun during Christmas. And again, you don't want to get, I, I've gotten better at that, I think, you know, that every time somebody makes a theological statement, I, you don't have to correct them on the spot. Did you know that? <laughs> it makes my much more fun parties, I think. So, um, but again, they're they're different. But we we might we'll probably be with them, right? The holy ones. 
Um, Revelation 5, then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and of the elders. So they're going to be there. And this is a verse, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail. I will try to not go down, uh, although you can get my number, text me, call me if you want to talk about this one. Jesus is talking here, of course, beware that you do not look down on any of these little ones. Um, what he's doing there in context is he's using a child as a metaphor for a disciple. Got that? He's using a child as a metaphor for a disciple. Um, that we're supposed to be childlike in our faith. You know, dependent, humble, not childish, annoying, stupid. Remember that. Anyway, so he takes it. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels, he's not just talking about little kids. He's talking about anybody who's a believer are always in the presence of my heavenly father. Now, there have been that theology, what we call the guardian angel. Um, and I think you can make a great biblical case that angels guard us. But whether there's a one-to-one -one correspondence, I, I just wouldn't go there. Because um, you get, I've heard people, it gets kind of goofy. What's, what's the temptation if you think you have a garden angel? You start asking for his help. And we're told not to do that. Um, if God wants to, if, if there is, and, and that's my point here, maybe we'll find that out later. I mean, maybe we'll get to heaven and we'll find out. You remember that time? It happened to me. I think I even talked about it last. That happened to me just a couple weeks ago where I, I'm going through a, you know, not through. That would be bad. I'm leaving the stop sign as I'm supposed to. Um, and the other person did not. And I'm looking and I'm like, we're going to hit. And it's, oh, you missed. Cool. Thank you. Because I didn't want to go to the body shop. Either one. <laughs> But, so, when you, but again, you wonder, and I'm not saying this, I'm not saying I had some spiritual experience and I heard wings and there was a feather there and all that, you know, I don't know if there was an angel there. But how, there may be times in our lives when, we'll, you know, an angel will, in, in the new heaven and the new earth, or even when we get there in the current heaven, an angel will come up and said, let me show you something. I was with you here. You know, I was with you here. I was, I was and maybe it's just to say, it's okay. You know, whatever you're going through. So we're not going to become angels, but I think we're going to interact with them. And I think that's pretty cool. And we do know from, from the Psalms and other places that angels do protect people. Um, and uh, just don't give in to the temptation of praying to them. Um, we have that uh, in the Bible, not, not to do that. Two times in Revelation, John bows down to an angel, and the angel says, don't do that. I am a servant like you. Bow down only to God. You know, so, so if an angel appears to you and tells you to bow down, probably the wrong one. Don't be doing that. Don't be doing that. Um, so we're going to be ourselves. We're going to have our own thoughts, emotions, desires, but untainted by sin. That's a little bit, a little phrase, but boy, that's the big difference, isn't it? How many people here today are living their life in a world without sin. Nobody here today is. The only people in the universe doing that are people who have died and are with God. None of us have experienced that yet. 
I'm, I'm told it's quite cool. It's, it's pretty neat. And what pleases God will please us. This is a verse, it's, it's very cool on one hand, it's kind of convicting on the other. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's going to be true in, in heaven, and especially in the new heaven. Everything, because there's no sin. It's, I mean, if it's kind of, it is, it's hard, because we're in a world that has it, so no matter how close we are and how many revivals there are, there's still the world, right? And we have to be careful with that. So, mere Christianity, I think he hits this, is a little bit shorter uh, than the other one. Um, again, mere Christianity is essentially a book that he wrote. I don't know, know too much about him, but he was kind of the theologian of, of England, you know, prior, prior to, during, and after World War II. And he had radio addresses. And Mere Christianity is kind of a summation of those. Great book. I mean, if you haven't read Mere Christianity, you should. And if you say you don't like to read, that's probably a sin. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, I didn't, I'm not the one that wrote all this stuff down. So the ver- This is the very end, uh, almost the very end of, he writes, Until you have given up yourself to him, you will not have a real self. That's a great line in and of itself, isn't it? Sometimes it is to be found most among the most natural men, not among those who surrender to Christ. How monotonously alike are all the great tyrants and conquerors of history, but how gloriously different are all the saints. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Luck for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But luck for Christ, and you will find him, and with him everything else thrown in. That's a good quote, you know. It's a good, there's, and this, I just, these books, of, and, and, and again, C.S. Lewis may not line up with every theological thing, but he's very good at seeing these types of things. His, uh, Narnia series is very, we've used some of that here too. Very good. Uh, some of it made into movies. So what will our bodies be like? You thought about that? We, we, we've got it down that they're going to be unique, right? We're not all going to be, you know, 6'2 and 173 and whatever it is for guys. And then I don't, I'm not even going to touch the women weight there, so we'll just move on. Um, we'll be glorified, but we will not, we will not deteriorate. Yet each one of us will be unique. So what about eating and exercise? You know, we get this idea, it's so mundane. If you have an idea of the final heaven that is boring, then it's a wrong idea. I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, all of this will be untainted by, uh, people said we won't sleep. And I'm like, oh, maybe we will. I don't know. Is that good or bad? Will we need it? Will we need to rest? If you, you know, if we work out, will we never get fatigued? I kind of think we will. Why is that bad? You know, that can be good, right? I mean, there are times when it's bad. I realize that. But, you know, some of us have to go back a little farther in our life. Some of them are going through it now. But in there times maybe when you've done some good work or exercise and you get done and you're really tired, but, you know, it's kind of feel good. Like, you know, this was, this was good. I think that's okay. And I don't know. There's times. I know teenagers get this a lot more than 
you know, where sleep is really good. Maybe not 12 hours, but, you know, I think you should wake up before 11, right? I don't know. Maybe not on Saturday if you don't have a job. But, but I mean, again, I don't know how that works. Um, but the eating one is, we're going to hit that one a little bit harder in a minute because I, I think the Bible sees that as a good thing. Um, and where our senses be heightened. You know, I, see, I walk around here, and I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot of y'all have glasses on. There's nothing. Do you think you'll need glasses in the new heaven? Probably not. And we'll be able to see things more clearly. Will we see more colors? Will we see infrared and ultraviolet? I don't know. It's kind of cool. Can you take your own x-ray? Wouldn't that be cool? Would you need an x-ray? I don't know. But that, again, and the taste, will things taste better and deeper? You know, we've got that, you know, you, whatever you like. You know, and that's the thing. Think about that. We're all going to like the same stuff. If we go to a restaurant in heaven, are everybody going to order the same meal? It's not going to be boring. No, everybody's different, you know. I mean, I think rhubarb tastes like dirt. Now, maybe in heaven it'll taste less like dirt. I don't know. But I remember my grandma, she, this wasn't rhubarb, it was eggplant, which is like, who invented that? <laughs> you can deep fry it. Well, you can deep fry a toad and it'll probably eat it. You know, you have to be careful with that. <laughs> but, but I remember her saying, well, eat it. It's good. And I remember, and yes, this was not good. I was probably about eight. <laughs> Took it, pushed it toward her and said, you like it, you eat it. I think it tastes like crap. <laughs> Can you say crap in a sermon? That's just the name of the guy who invented the toilet. <laughs> John L. Crapper. I'm looking up. Maybe it's not John L., but it is Crapper. I do remember that. But, but again, that, that, it did not taste good to me. It probably won't taste good to me when I'm in the new heaven. I'll probably still like pizza and seafood and steaks. And we'll talk about steaks in a minute. <laughs> but to end with a good controversy, right? Isn't that cool? You know, very minor, but still fun. And what about our abilities? Well, we go back and look at Jesus when he was, are we going to be like him? You know, here's a couple examples. On the evening of that day, the day uh, of the resurrection, the first day of the week, the doors being locked. You know, John, make sure we know the doors are locked. Where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. So some people have interpreted this that he kind of, you know, kind of picked the lock and it kind of seems to me he just kind of was there. I don't know. It seems why we overthink it. So will we, will we be able to go through doors without opening them? Hmm. So that, that one sat there for a second. Let's go to the next one. After saying this, this is toward the end of his earthly ministry, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Hmm. That one I would like be like Superman. He's got a, you know, gravity. I don't know. I don't know. Again, that was Jesus. And I don't know, this isn't the only thing you have to remember from this sermon, but you're not Jesus. Did you know that? We're supposed to be Christ-like. We're not supposed to be Christ because there's only one God, right? We will not completely be like God, right? You're not going to be omnipresent, right? Can you even think of that? I can't even think about being in two places at once. What about infinite places at once? 
We're not going to be, we're not God. We're not going to be God. We'll be redeemed humans, glorified humans. We're not omniscient. We don't know everything. You're going to continue to learn for the rest of your existence. You will never know it all. Who knows it all? God. Everybody else? No. And that'll be kind of fun. I'm kind of looking forward to maybe having a Bible study with Toykin and Lewis, Jonathan Edwards, John Calvin, Paul. It'd be kind of cool. We'll continue to learn. And we won't be omnipotent. We won't be all-powerful. So I don't, the one I really have trouble with, maybe you can help me with this, text me, right? You can even come into my office if you want. I may here. I may be here. How the sport's going to work? Because when you have a competition, there's always a winner and a loser. I don't know. I don't have an answer. There you go. You know, maybe we can still lose and it'd be okay. I don't, I don't know. We won't sin. We won't throw our racket, right? Hopefully not. What about gender? This is one that we get into, you know. Not going to get into this too much, but Genesis 1.27, which the fall of mankind is in Genesis 3. So would this be before or after? Before. Um, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So is male and female a thing that come from the fall or from God's creation? It's creation. So most likely that will continue. How that all works, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. So yeah, I think gender is part of who we are, and that's okay. It's good. It's good. What about age? How old are we going to be? How old are you if you live for eternity? Hmm. That's where my first job helped. Infinity is really easy in math. That's what calculus, differential calculus is about that. You know, he's infinite being able to go, well, technically, if you live forever, you don't have an age, right? I mean, you can, it just never ends. But you could give an age, you know. I wonder if our birthdays, like if you die when you're like 100, is your first birthday in heaven, are you 101 or you're one? That's deep, but we won't go there. Um, but you think about when Adam and Eve were created, were they created as infants? Doesn't look like it. Were they created as old dudes with... Well, I guess Eve probably didn't have a beard, but I sure hope not. You know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> gender. <laughs> Boy, I'm getting in trouble. Um, remember the guy in bit of the toilet, so don't get mad at me. <laughs> this was one that came from Randy Elkhorn in his book, and, and do what you want with this, but perhaps those who didn't grow up on this earth will get to grow up in the new one. And then stop at about 30. Uh, you like that? I like that. Might not be true, but I like it. I mean, if, you know, we, I look around, I know people, whether you had a miscarriage or um, uh, you had a, a baby die or a kid die, um, I don't know, maybe. Maybe they'll get to grow up. Uh, it'd be kind of a good grow-up time. But you don't want your kid to stay little the whole time. Do you want to? How did your, how did your grandfather, grandmother, great-grandfather, great, see you when they died? You know, somebody on their knee and all that. Well, do you want to be on grandma's knee and throughout eternity? I don't. She's going to feed me eggplant. 
and rhubarb. I was like, ah, you know, dirt and that other thing. Yeah. So I, I think it's possible. That's a neat thing. And, and I think sometimes just thinking of the possibilities. Are kind of, and what will we eat and drink? You know, in the Bible, eating is referred to over a thousand times. It's just a very important thing. And 200 times they talk about feasts. In fact, that's what the, they came together to do. There's something about eating that God really thinks is cool. And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I don't grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He's talking to the disciples there, I think, an extension. Now, it could be metaphoric, but I think we'll eat. Wouldn't it be cool? Think about right now if God would deem us that you can eat anything you want, as much as you want, and it'll always make you as healthy as ever. Would you sign that? Then you could go ahead and deep fat throw the frog and you can have it if you want. Wouldn't matter. Doesn't matter how many, how many calories the frog has. Doesn't matter. That would be, and I think that's maybe what it's going to be like. Not gluttony so much, but just enjoyment. I think that's, you know, I know from Iowa, you think about that first time that you bite into a cob of sweet corn after in, in, you know, in the late summer, early fall, or that first ripe tomato from your, I mean, that, there's something there. Well, this, that's just a pinprick of what I think we'll get. So, but eating together, isn't that it? You know, conversation, storytelling, relationship building. That's, this is what this is. That's why there's so darn many restaurants. I don't know if you knew that. We could all eat at home. And I'm not saying you should go to a restaurant every day, but it is part of, of the relationship idea. And Jesus ate after he had a resurrected body, which is kind of interesting. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to those whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So I think it's pretty important. It's just anything to excess gets, or to any, if we don't have enough, then we'll always have enough. You know, that's the idea. It's, it's, so, will we hunger? Another question. Will we thirst? I think so. But it's not a bad thing if to get food and drink to satisfy it. Back to, you know, you run or walk or do something that makes you tired or do the dish, whatever it is that makes you tired, and you get a drink of water. That's just so cool. If you weren't thirsty, it wouldn't have that. But it's always there. It's not like you're going to have thirst that's not quenched. And Jesus even said, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come, which implies that he will when it comes. That's pretty cool. What about digestion? Well, we've already talked about the guy who invented the toilet, right? <laughs> Likely quite different. That's about all I'll say about that. You don't want to have five things in a sermon that people will get mad at you about. Just, just four. Um, we use what we consume, I think, is the idea. You know, whatever we eat. Some people think that's the way Eden was before the fall. That whatever was eaten by Adam and Eve, there was no, you didn't have to expel it because it was used by your body. Um, I, I like that. I'll sign that up, you know. So... You know, you think about the different occupations we won't need. Doctors, probably not. Yeah, yes, yeah. 
hopefully not psychologist. Um, and no more plumbers, at least for that end of stuff. Um, what about taste? Taste. You know, food isn't dysfunctional. It includes enjoyment. Again, not just what we need, what we want, back to the corn on the cob or the tomato. And this one I'm going to end with because it's always nice to end on a good controversy. The, uh, not really, I'm just, well, we eat animals. There's a debate on whether animal death predated the fall, and that's probably going to be a debate. Uh, good, I think there's good uh, arguments on both sides of those. And, um, but what about on the new earth? You know, in Isaiah 65, which is talking about the new heaven and new earth, it says that the wolf and the lamb will feed together, the lion will eat hay like a cow, and the snakes will be in the dust. I think that's still kind of talking about evil. In these, those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken. So it doesn't look like in the new heaven and the new earth there's, there's animal death. Um, although, uh, if Isaiah 25 is talking about that, and I think it probably is, in the new Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with, with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. So I don't know. This is the way I came up. I think there's going to be something up there that tastes like meat. And God will banish all the eggplant. Let us pray. Father, we know when we go through these texts, there's a lot that we guess about, but may we not guess about what's most important, that we follow your son that gives us uh, eternal life now, makes a whole lot of difference in our lives now as we have the spirit and have all this hope, and even going through suffering, uh, our characters can be built and you, we get closer to you. But help each one of us think about those wonderful things that are in store, you know, and as you said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard of the things that you prepare for those who love you and your son, whose name we pray.